This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. Cut off by Mata, throws it out front, Dumba scores! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, notes, and much more. Fiala's in for Minnesota. Fiala cuts to the middle. Wait, scores! Greenway in. Saved by Miska. Rebound. Erickson. They score! Jordan Greenway beats Miska. And poked away Kaprizov. In for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill. Now, here are your hosts. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyak, and Justin Buck. Hello and welcome into Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall joined as always by Zeke Boyat and Justin Baki. A couple losses to the Blues this week. Have us feeling a little blue, but um, the weather has been nice enough to maybe pick that up a little bit. We've uh, a nice day today and looks like a, another nice day coming tomorrow. Uh, fellas, how you doing on this Friday evening? Not often we record on Friday evening. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm doing doing good. Uh, you know, same as you. It's been been nice to be able to get outside a little more. Uh, you know, the last two games haven't, like you said, haven't gone the way we wanted, but they, it's been entertaining. Uh, so yeah, that's been nice. Yeah, no, just and I got my uh, second shot the other day on Wednesday, so it's been a nice. been a pretty good week otherwise. So I'm I'm on a list um, now through my dad's work to maybe get one. Okay, um, sweet. I think this week, so we'll see if. Uh... If I'm able to get in or not, I would. It would be the Johnson and Johnson, the controversial vaccine, so, but just the one dose. Right. So, we'll see. I'm hoping yeah. I can get it. Yeah, that that'd be a good reason. Once we're, I'm already done, but be a good way to maybe do a, a show all together in one spot. Yeah, it would be nice to to be able to do that mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Justin, how you doing? I'm good. Been a kind of my Tuesday of the week for work weeks, but uh, got to go to the game last night, and even though we lost, kind of still flying high, how it turned out minus the overtime goal, just the, the comeback and seeing Kaprizov tie the game was pretty sweet to be there live and just finally witness it. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good and, and ready to talk about uh, some hockey here. Yeah, it was, it was funny. So I was watching the game with my parents last night, and Kaprizov scored, and I just like re like just mm-hmm. obligatory reaction, just like yelled "yeah" really loud. <laughs> and I was sitting right next to my mom, and she turns to my dad and says, "Well, Brett must be excited because he just blew out my eardrum." <laughs> it's awesome. like, sorry, Kaprizov scored. It's it happens. It's great. It, so, and yeah, regarding that goal last night, I was sitting around Blues fans, or they were sitting around me actually. And they just they were just jaw jacking all game long and just like not to me but just in general and we tied mm-hmm. the game and I was just like so fired up. Yeah. <laughs> As you should be. It would've it would have been good if he would have buried that first chance to ten seconds oh, at all. Yeah, so it would have been great. Yeah. Mm. 
Well, we'll hit on uh, those last two Blues games here uh, in just a minute, but uh, we'll get through kind of our, uh, our normal stuff here to start off. So, Justin, we'll move over to you here for the start uh, with whatever you got for a prospect update as uh, those seasons continue to wind down here. Yeah, it's uh, very short this week as more seasons have ended. Uh, Andre Svetlakov, which we're not, I'm not really going to cover after this season. We're not going to cover on prospects because he's 25, and we usually – cover around that age and it doesn't seem like he's coming over anytime soon so i think we're just gonna let it go but anyways his team lost in the gogger and cup finals four to two to avangard uh Ilya kobolchuk's team uh his season is over uh damon hunt his season is over in the whl uh he finished with 18 points in 24 games played as i mentioned last week the whl will not have playoffs so the 24 regular season games that he's played is over and then uh, Iowa is playing this weekend. They're playing right now. Last I checked, they were down three to one. Nick Swaney made his Iowa debut. I haven't checked how he's doing, but uh, I'll have to do that later. Later update on prospects. And then uh, Adam Beckman, he had a four point night on Wednesday, which included a hat trick. He now has twenty one points in fifteen games. His team has one month left. His team got started uh, a little bit later than Damon Hunt, so. His team still has about a month to go, and that's basically the last prospect that I'm covering at the moment. Yeah, uh, that Adam Beckman performance may be uh, worthy of some uh, some award later in the show. We'll uh, yeah. have mm-hmm. to wait and see. Yeah, just maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, prospects winding down, but good to see that the ones are still playing, um, especially the likes of, of Hunt and Beckman are, are producing. Um, I think the offensive production out of Damon Hunt has come um, as a little bit of a surprise to some because mm-hmm. it's, we didn't really see uh, this out of him last year, but he's mm-hmm. kind of been a go-to guy for them. I mean, we've joked on this show already about, you know, on that on that power play, he's just lethal from the Mike Hoffman spot in yeah, the right, right circle, circle. and <laughs> yeah, uh, and he's seems to be kind of an all situations guy, even strength power play penalty kill. So that's been really cool to see. And if you know he can even you know morph into a, a third pairing defenseman to find that in the third round or fourth round. Excuse me, right? Fourth round? Yeah, uh, um, third round. 2020, third, third round. Yeah, and it was a late, later third um, would be yeah. a really a really nice get. So for hoping sure. to see that uh, continue for him. Yeah. And maybe it was just, uh, you know, he missed some time for a while there with uh, injury, I believe, uh, last year, two mm-hmm. years ago. Maybe this is him right, getting right back on the development train and becoming more than uh, we thought, more than we thought it would be. For sure. Um, and one thing you didn't have in your prospect update that we can roll in with a reacting to Russo segment, um, a, a pretty damning story um, on The Athletic um, about Marco Rossi's experience uh, with, mm-hmm. with with COVID-19 and, and the complications of uh, myocarditis that, that followed for him. Um, just the biggest takeaway for me was the fact that doctors told Marco Rossi had he played one more game in the world juniors it could have ended in a very scary situation with yeah. the potential of a, of a cardiac event, like a heart attack and his heart stopping on the ice and just scary. And he, he ended up, you know, eventually when he went back to Austria upon hearing that news, like he wanted his parents to sleep in his room, fearing that, you know, mm-hmm. he wouldn't wake up, which for a 19 year old athlete in as good a shape as Marco Rossi, Whew, just hit home and made you just go wow yeah. you know yeah I, I think we touched on it a little bit last week but yeah. um 
uh, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty crazy how he had to take like practices off and stuff. And his teammates knew something was wrong at that point. Cause he's a gym rat and never missed practice, never missed like gym time. And he was just like so mm-hmm. tired that he had to take time off and practice and stuff. So, yeah. And I think it was a, interesting too how he said that you know when he was coming to training camp here with all the adrenaline excitement for that you know he kind of went that went away that tiredness went away for like a couple of weeks there before they caught it and uh you know it's good thing the wild did uh that they you know the doctors found that and got him out of there but uh yeah i think it was just the 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 positive thing that i took away from is you know just uh you know all the great people that was around him. I mean, obviously we saw what Thomas Vanek and Alex Daylock have done for him, but oh, yeah. just uh, just how also you know how his 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 dad, his agent, his family kind of seemed to like help him or helping him through all this was uh, cool to see. So uh, yeah, no, it's just uh, like you guys said, just obviously hope that he just gets healthy first and then yeah. worry about uh, you know then playing hockey second. So, but right. good to hear he's doing better now. Yeah, I think this will make him a better player overall because he's already like. He's dealing with so much adversity, and I mean, he even said uh, that he's going to be better for this, and and I'm just excited to witness it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Zeke, you brought up his dad and just how much of a, you know, a, a supporter yeah. he's been. I don't remember the exact amount, but his dad lost something like hundred pounds. Yeah, it was pretty close. Yeah. It was like somewhere between like I think like seventy to ninety, a hundred pounds that his dad lost like just to show Marco like hey you you're going to come back from this and I'm going to mm-hmm. I'm going to do something to prove it to you like I just the kind yeah. of support that uh, was awesome it was and the fact that his I mean this this part hit home with me now that we're talking about it but being a dad is just like you do anything for your children and like losing the weight and uh basically you know he's got all this ice time rented for him when he is back and all these trainers ready to go so he can just get right back to it yeah and i think the question that looms large coming out of this now now that we know that you know it sounds like there won't be any long-term effects and we've you know talked about marco rossi's you know just will to be in the gym and and work his tail off and we know he was you know last year coming out of the draft touted to be one of the most NHL ready prospect. So it begs the question, do you guys think he can crack the opening night roster uh starting in 2021-2022 here? I I think he does. I I think he's going to work back. I think he's going to come once yeah. he gets the green light to work out. I, he's going to go nonstop until that first buck drop of the year. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think it's you know, I I, I think you're probably right that he will, uh, you know, cuz obviously in Russo's article his agent and him seem pretty confident that he'll be able to. But, uh, you know, I think, as Russo said, it's, I mean, it's obviously definitely possible that if he comes in and, and, you know, looks like he maybe needs just a little bit of time, he might spend a couple of weeks or something down in the AHL to get in some games and get back to that speed. But, you know, I think, like Brett said, uh, he's the kind of guy who will be able to work around that, which would be, a, you know, if he's full health, that would be, a, a, a you know, that's obviously an exciting addition to the team next year for sure. I, I think he'll be able to. I think just with that muscle memory and him getting back into it and, you know, working his tail off like we all know he's gonna, Mister Mister Quads. You know, <laughs> I, I just, yeah. <laughs> I think he, I think he can crack the roster, especially you know, with how unknown our centers will be after the season with all the one-year deals we have and kind of mm-hmm. not know who we're gonna bring back or not. But I think he can crack it, and he certainly has the talent. 
Yeah, I and I think I, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to jump the gun too much, but as long right. as everything continues to go well, I think a worst case scenario is maybe Zeke, as you said, maybe two, three weeks in Iowa, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. whatever that ends up being, you know, six, seven games. But mm-hmm. I think for the most part, they'll they'll view him as a top six guy, whether or not he starts on the team. So maybe it's a guy like, you know, a, a Victor Rask or Ryan Hartman that's got to play in the top six to kind of start the year for those first couple games, and then they work Rossi Oof. back in. You know, it's going to be Victor Rask in yeah. the top six with Dan. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> yep. Uh, just a really quick uh, analytics segment today. We're going to talk about. Uh, Cam Talbot's uh, goal saved above expected, uh, also abbreviated as as uh, GSAX, as I say it, GSA, <laughs> a, uh, a lowercase X, um, which it was a stat that Cam Talbot was really just kind of excelling at up until kind of this last week or so, where he's actually really starting. He's kind of basically fell right back down to earth. Um, and just a reminder of what it is: it's a goalie's um, the amount of goals a goaltender has saved above the opposing team's expected goals. So. Mm-hmm. For a really simple example, we'll make it a really nice whole number. Say the Blues had an expected goals of of three last night, and um, and they only and they scored. Let's say they only scored two. He'd have a goal save above expected of one, and obviously um, it works off the expected goals model. Um, so there can be weird decimal places and stuff in there, and, and all that. Um, and and Talbot was for a while there when he was on that thirteen two and two stretch. His goal save above expected was just skyrocketing yeah. every game. I think he had a stretch in there. It had to have been four or five games where it was a goal or more. He might have had one where it might have been over three. I want to say, mm-hmm. and then a couple that were over two. And then the last two, he's he's kind of fallen down a little bit. I don't think it's totally fault of his own. He's had you know a, a couple bad breaks and and some dumb turnovers that haven't really helped him either. But yeah, um, are we, I'm trying to figure out how to word this now. Um, Cam Talbot's play this year, if it hadn't been for Kirill Kaprizov, he might be the team's MVP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I, yeah. I'd, oh, go ahead, Justin. Sorry. No, no. I was just saying, absolutely. You can go ahead and say what you're going to say, but no. Okay, I was just going to kind of say the similar thing that you know, obviously everyone knows how bad their goaltending was, and uh, you know, even if he's comes back down to average that was really all that they needed but you know like like you guys said he was uh for like three weeks there he was one of the top goalies in the league so yeah no i i definitely agree for sure and well the only other unfortunate thing is he's cost us like nine fantasy points the last two games so that's unfortunate (laughs) yeah i got screwed over in my individual fantasy playoffs um, you by, got a beat by the eight seed, yeah. I did, and it was basically Oof. for like one reason, oh, and no. it was the Carolina goaltending. So I have two Carolina goalies. I have both mm-hmm. Mrazek and Reimer. Mrazek got hurt the week before mm-hmm. the playoffs started. So like the game, it was like mm-hmm. that Sunday they said he was out, so he didn't play all mm-hmm. week. And then Nadelkovic got all the starts that week, oh. and I think ended up losing by like eight points. Dang. So, damn. Jeez. Shout out Aaron Heckman. He pulled off the upset. Um, team just couldn't. Apparently, I saw that he didn't even know how he did. He's like, I didn't even really check my lineup. <laughs> so frustrating. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it is what it is. The one seed goes down. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, that's all I got for analytics. So if you guys have nothing else to add on that, uh, Zeke will go to you for uh, this week in Wild History. 
Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, this week, uh, exactly. Well, it's, it was today, uh, seven years ago now, on April 30th, uh, 2014, was the second ever Wild versus Avalanche Game 7 in Denver, which, you know, another uh, overtime thriller. Uh, Wild were down four times by one goal deficits. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, this is probably one of the top, like, two or three moments in the history of the team, with the, especially, I think, myself, the most two most iconic goals in that game was one, the Spurgeon tying goal with two minutes left where he kind of waited out McKinnon, who slid right by him, then went off the corner, and then obviously, you know, going ping off the back of the net. But uh, the, just before I get your guys' reaction to this game, uh, the funny thing about this for me is I would have been, I think, if I'm remembering right, I would have been in, like, sixth grade, so I'd have been, like, 11 or 12. Uh, I was given the option that night to uh, stay up and watch the rest of the game or go to bed, and I was too nervous to watch the rest of the game, so I did not actually see the <laughs> the goal in overtime because I was too nervous. But uh, oh, man. Was, was still so Adam. I've technically never seen a, a game like that in my life. But either, either way, aside from that uh, bad mistake by uh, Young Me, uh, it, it was a really great game, and uh, you know, it's been a little too long since we've had something like that. But great game. God, you guys make me feel like I'm so old. I mean, I am, but I was like, <laughs> I was like 28 when that game happened. Oh, yeah. man, that, that was a fun game, though. It was. Yeah, I was 18. Oh, that was my senior year of high school, and I had just it was like five of my best friends from high school over, mm-hmm. and that's. I would say it's probably the best sports moment of my lifetime that I vividly mm-hmm. remember. Mm-hmm. Um, followed probably very closely by the wild drafting Rossi and then the Minneapolis miracle. Okay. I'm yeah. pretty sure I was living in Tennessee when that goal happened. I think I was watching the game by myself in the apartment or at the fire hall or something. I don't remember where I was, but I just geeked out when it happened. So, yeah, it was like, like Brett said, I think that was maybe one of just the best hockey I've ever watched. Cause it, it was like a typical playoff game and you know that series what was funny about that is the home team had won every game up until that point too mm-hmm. and you know even even in the two of the games in Colorado game one and five the Wilds had uh, you know leads late in the game that they blew and uh, it was just a it's just a you know typical what you just love to see out of a playoff series in hockey it was just lots of scoring back and forth physical and uh, I think it kind of that was really the I don't know maybe people still didn't love each other before that but I think that really started to set off again the whole uh ongoing uh, wild avalanche rivalry between the players and especially the fans so uh, yeah who knows we might have that again this year hopefully so (sighs) it's sure shaping up that way yeah (laughs) i remember thinking every time we would go down i was like can we do it again like we keep Mm -hmm. playing the game and going down like how many times can we do this and yeah we can do it five times or whatever it was yeah nino Uh, your writer Got like 18 goals now. What this year? Victor Rask. Victor mm-hmm. Rask. The parachute. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about Rask in a second here. Let's uh, let's let's first get to uh, a bad case of the Blues because that's what the Wild have right now. Uh, two straight losses and now to the Blues, uh, both back to back on Wednesday, uh, where they blew a third period lead to fall four to three Oof. after starting the period with a three one mm-hmm. to lead. And then last night, kind of almost flipping the script, um, coming into the period, I believe, also down 3-1. Ended up tying it eventually 4-4 on the Kaprizov goal we talked about earlier in the opening uh, before uh, another uh, gaffe by Matt Dumba, who has had a rough uh, two games here. 
um, left Ryan O'Reilly wide open, which mm-hmm. is never a good idea. Who went in and uh, nope. put a backhander in uh, over Cam Talbot for a uh, five to four Blues overtime mm-hmm. win, which means the Wild are now one two and two through five games against the Blues this year. Not great. They just want us. And you know we we played a good sixty minutes with, against the Blues, but the bad part of it was it was over two games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the the first game we played so well the first two periods and looked like the much better team and just left the gas third period and blew it. And then last night the game I was at I was like oh this is so rough the first two periods we just did not we looked like we did in the third period last mm-hmm. game and then the third period came and we yeah. You know, tied the game, and I thought we were going to pull it off after Kaprizov scored because I thought we'd bring that momentum into overtime. But, you know, that like we mentioned, that first 10 seconds where Kaprizov, I was like, oh, my God, he's going to do it again. But, you know, <laughs> and then we all know what happened. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it was a, a tough couple games. But, I mean, I had some good moments. Even that, that goal by Eck last night that kind of set it set us off was just Oof. insane. Like, so, he, yeah. I'd never seen anything like that out of Eck in the past. So. He looked like a Brisov. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Maybe he's taking tips from him or something. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And it's funny thing about that is I know back when he was a prospect, a lot of times was that, you know, he's always had a pretty decent, like, wrist shot and fairly mm-hmm. hard, and it's always been able to shoot the puck. So, you know, that was a, you know, like, like Justin said, he, like, swirled around a couple of guys and then from in tight went up over the blocker, which is great to see. And, just on, on the second game in general at the start, as you mentioned, I, I wasn't really too surprised the, the start of that second game was bad because, you know, the the first game, obviously, blowing 3-1 lead uh, and then especially losing on a goal with like 20 seconds left in regulation that, you know, obviously can be kind of deflating or demoralizing in that sense. So I guess I wasn't like, apparently, I wasn't really too shocked that they came out kind of slow. But it, it just, you know, it, it you know there was two close losses by one goal and they've already clinched. So you can't overreact too much. It's just... Uh, you know, like you guys mentioned, in the way that they lost the games uh, is the part that stings, uh, especially mm-hmm. last night, as Justin mentioned. When, whenever you tie a game up late in regulation like that, with a minute left, the goalie pulled. It's you get that, you know, you're all excited because you know that one that never happens. It's very rare to tie it up there, and you just think that you're gonna, as you said, ride that momentum in there. So it, it was just one of the, I think, the big reason people are all up in arms, just simply how they lost the games, but. You know, it's not it's not as if uh, the Blues came in here and beat them nine to one two games or something either. So mm-hmm. I guess if you want to look at it that way, yeah. And if there is a positive from these last two games, that line with Eck Greenway and Felino has oh, been so the grief Oof. squad. Uh, taking down two guys once. has just been awesome. Um, of course, they scored three goals on on uh, Wednesday night. I think with that, I think. Uh, I think Eck had two hits, Greenway had four, Felino had five. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, last night, Eck gets a goal. Um, Felino scored last night. Did he score last night? Uh, no, no, he, he, no, he laid a big hit, and he got that in that fight. And Right, yeah, but they, I mean, and they've they've controlled play, both Corsi expected goals the last two games as well. I mean, they've just been absolutely dominant. Um, which going in the playoffs against you know Nathan McKinnon to have that line going um, could be a, a really big key. So if there's one positive takeaway out of these last two games, I think it's it's that mm-hmm. that line seems to be playing really good hockey. The rest of the lineup, eh, not so much, but but that line is is really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, uh, and my favorite, uh, you know, I just mentioned my favorite part was uh, in the first game late in the third period when uh, Jordan Greenway just bowled over two guys at once and sent them flying like they were awesome. rag dolls. It was the most hilarious thing in the world because. You know, Greenways is not the 
he's not. I mean, he's not slow, but he's not like the most blazing fast, not the greatest edges. But uh, he's been, you know, uh, he's been better too. And, and just like you said, uh, you know, earlier in the season, even like two or three episodes ago, we were a lot of us. I remember still were complaining about how they had to absolutely keep that uh, line together because we were like, move back up, move back up. And it's like, well, as Brett mentioned, now you kind of understand uh, watching these last two games uh, why Everson does not even want to entertain that thought. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's good. It's a good thing. Yeah, and one thing I brought up about, you know, as I've started to kind of digest, you know, the grief squad line a little bit more, mm-hmm. and this is kind of the conclusion I, I've come to, and I, I brought this up with someone on Twitter. I can't remember who, but, and it wasn't necessarily my opinion. It's just trying to get in the head of Dean Evison, which is a really difficult thing to do, by the way, because um, I don't think anyone <laughs> knows what goes on in there. Uh, <laughs> but I was thinking, and it's so... And Michael Russo's pointed this out. Eck is their number one center, right? Mm-hmm. That's been established. Yeah. Not necessarily offensively, but he's the guy that's going to get the minutes. He's going to get the tough matchups. So, yes, putting him on a line with Kaprizov or, you know, a Fiala might help boost their offense. But his role is to go out there and play the tough matchups. And and what I the point I brought up was, would you rather have... And I and I use I use both the Avalanche and the Golden Knights as example. I said, would you rather have X centering a Kaprizov or a Fiala, and as a result having to go up against the McKinnon or Stone line every shift, or would you rather have the Grief Squad together free up Fiala and and Kaprizov to go against you know a JT Comfer or a Ryan Reeves line instead? Mm-hmm. I'll take the latter. Yep. I, I'll take the I'll take the slight step back at center for a chance for those guys to prey on. <laughs> on, you know, kind of a, a bottom six forward group who just, because frankly, they just aren't as good um, de- depth-wise. So that's kind of where I stand now. Obviously, moving forward, that's, you know, an area that still needs to be addressed. Nothing's changed from the last 20 years of the franchise. We need a top <laughs> six center still, but Badly. that's kind of where I stand. And I think for this team to be successful, especially in the playoffs, that line's got to stay together and they got to be going. Yeah, and I think... Uh... You know, I think that's the, like we've mentioned many times before, that's the strength. This is a little bit different, but the strength of the Wilds compared to some of those teams is, you know, they can have the ability to spread their depth out around the lineup and their, you know, their, all three of their lines can play, even their third and fourth lines. And which, as you said, Brett, compared to other teams, will have guys like Ryan Reeves out there who just, you know, are basically there to just fight and hit. So, yeah, no, that's, you're definitely right. That uh, That's why it would be nice to, uh, you know, if they would have won one or two of these last two games to have actually, a, you know, a better chance at maybe getting home ice against Colorado would have helped that even more a little bit. But, uh, you know, yeah, that's definitely a, that's a big key, kind of like how, as we mentioned in 2014, how the Wild uh, stuck Eric Howlett and Nathan McKinnon in that series. Uh, that, that's kind of what they're going to have to do, as you said, with that line this time around. Yeah, that was a good point. Uh, I never really thought of it that way to free up Caprice Avafiali against other lines, and it makes total sense. I mean, that grief line is just so hard to play against. They're such a big line. They're all mm-hmm. big, strong players, and they're, they're just strong on the puck. They're just pests again the fo- on the four shack. Like when Greenway has the puck, he's when he's going, he's like impossible to knock off the puck. And yeah, there was a play you know, last when... night where he looked like a running back. He came in the zone on the left side, and ju- I think it was Justin Falk. He just stiff armed mm-hmm. him uh-huh. yeah. and head through. Like p- hockey players don't do that stuff, but Jordan right. Greenway does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's just so fun. And you got Felino, who's just been so good defensively, <sighs> and then he's even scored what like he's got like with ten goals this year or something. Yeah, he's shooting over like thirty percent. It's just a- yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he's doing really good on both sides of the puck. So I mean, yeah, you, you can't really break up this line at this point of the season. And and I think just one more. The other example I just thought of was uh, actually to start off overtime that set up that free off two and one when Act just uh, outmuscled Ryan O'Reilly on the faceoff to get the oh, puck. Yeah. Just that's. Just another example of what those guys do. And and you mentioned Greenway. I think the other thing about him is, like you guys said, we can use his body to move up, but he's got the, the long reach too, which really helps that too. So, Well, and another thing is Greenway and Felino. I mean, really all of them, but especially Greenway, Greenway and Felino, they're almost like pissing the other team off. And, you know, you saw both Greenway and Felino get into a fight with Bertuzzo last night just because, you know, <laughs> Felino laid that big hit after I think it was Eck got hit and, I mean, they're they're just pests, and they just piss piss the other team off. And I mean, they're not afraid to stand up and the, do what they got to do. The best part about the second Felino fight was he absolutely cleanly rocked the shit yes. of Jordan Cairo. Wasn't mm-hmm. dirty. Yep. It was shoulder yep. to shoulder. Yeah, he lost the puck, but you you can't come across the middle, lose the puck, and not expect to get your bell rung when Moose is on the ice. Yep. And then Robert Bartuzzo comes flying in, jumps Felino, yeah. and then Felino kicks the shit out of him. <laughs> that was so fun to watch live. Then, I mean, it was fun to watch on TV too. I'm sure, but it was yeah. just like. And then you see him like skate by the bench, and he said something along the lines of "Let's go," and I'm just like, "Oh, here we go. Momentum's gonna change." And then Victor Rask happened on the power play. This will be a nice transition here. Uh, <laughs> can't read a play to hold a puck in along the boards, which results in the puck going to Spurgeon and. Gets by him, and then uh, Tyler Bozak went in and scored a short in a goal. And it was at that point, I believe, it made it 4-2. And then we collectively continue to lose our minds over Victor Rask. Yeah. Um, as we <laughs> talked before a the goal. show, a, uh, a certain Minnesota Wild beat writer was even talking to Zeke and I, um, <laughs> asking us our thoughts on Rask. And, <laughs> and he, uh, he, he uh, sent us this quote from Dean Evison. Um, on Victor Rask. I'm going to try to read this with a straight face. <laughs> Rasky, he's been phenomenal on the power play, as you know. Huh? <laughs> maybe he hasn't gotten involved points-wise. You don't say. Uh, maybe he's on the third assist or what have you. When things are being created, but he definitely is a creative guy that works really well with both of those guys, uh, referring to Kaprizov and Zuccarello. We think that line has conducted themselves extremely well as of late, we have no doubt that they will, this is my favorite part, chip in offensively when we need them. Yeah. Oof. This is a lot to unpack. And I think the funny thing is how uh, he fits with them. It's like, well, if you count uh, those guys looking him off and then going in two on four fitting with him, then, yeah, he does fit I mean, you're like trying to jam a square peg into a round hole with him in this line. It, it yeah. really is. It's so terrible. It's and the last part of that quote rubbed me such the wrong way. And we have no doubt that they will chip in offensive. Dean, Kirill Kaprizov should not be. literally offensive player playing with him. He shouldn't be <laughs> chipping in offense. He is your offense. Your, your 23-4-0 record when Kaprizov registers a point is a very clear indicator that the offense runs through Kaprizov. Like, dude, come yeah. on. Chip in? Give me a break. I don't know. Good on the power and, play. What the frick are you watching? I mean, he oh. had three 
he had those three points all in one game, though. So everyone had three points that night. <laughs> yeah, like, well, they're gonna remember three points that night. They're gonna remember that one game is what he's gonna remember. <laughs> it's just one game. And of course, and, like, like, and you posted like, a tweet. Yeah, I thought it was funny last night. We're all like, "Oh, I, I saw that Hartman was with Zuccarello on." Caprice, I was like, finally, Rasko's off that line. Let's see what they can do. And then uh, what, what happens? He ends up with Fiala. I'm like, you got to be shitting me. And then proceeds to <laughs> basically to stick two middle fingers up to everyone on Minnesota Wild Twitter, excluding at Sadison, um, by making a really nice play down low to set up a Kevin Fiala goal. And then actually moving off the wall and shooting the puck, which yeah. apparently he does that now too. Um, and, and ends up with a two-point night. But um, as I said on Twitter, you know, even a blind squirrel finds a nut um, every hmm. now and again. But inevitably, that just, you know, that the inevitable is well, did you see that game against the Blues in that third period? He was awesome for us, you know. And, it'll yeah. be, and because of that, he won't get scratched. And I think the, you know, just back to a little bit, I think the, like Justin mentioned, it was funny how we were all complaining about him. And Brett specifically posted on the podcast account that the, uh, that uh, meme about uh, Rask off of Kaprizov's line and then Rask with Fiala. And it was mm-hmm. literally like 30 <laughs> seconds later, I was looking down about to quote tweet that tweet and retweet it. And then he rasked Fiala scores. I and think like, as what? I hit send, I think the goal happened. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you're, you got to be absolutely kidding me right now. And, and that's sec- and like you said, that second goal was uh, was really nice too, though. Actually, to have the patience to come off the wall and walk around a guy. <laughs> it's just bad. those were his first two even strength points in the last twenty three games. He had one that's other insane. point in that stretch. Oh my god! It's funny. I was at the game with my wife last night, and I was like talking about this to her. I mean, trying to explain to her, and she's like, "Okay, so what's the number of the guy we don't like?" And I was like, 49 or ask." And then he scores, and she looks at me, and I'm like. I can't explain this right now. Like, <laughs> how much time do you have? <laughs> I just don't yeah. get it. Like, like I said, three even strength points in his last twenty-three games. Two of those came last night, um, which I'm crediting most of that to Fiala. I don't give a crap. Forty-five um, percent in the face-off dot. He's got. I think if you take out the the three-point assist game against Colorado, when the Wild's power play has been at clipping at 40%. I think he has two power play points in that stretch. One of which is a second assist, which is pretty much nothing. He's um, just a dead weight to Kaprizov. And Zeke, you alluded to this earlier, and I, I noticed it too, and so did Russo and lots of others. There were times last night, especially in kind of the first period, where Kaprizov and Zuccarello had the puck in the offensive zone, and Victor Ask was wide open, and they went, nope, I'm passing to somebody else. <laughs> Oh my god, did you guys see that thing SodaPod posted? Yes, nope. hilarious. <laughs> oh my god, I saw that this afternoon at work and I could not stop laughing how <laughs> he go- Zuccarello comes up to Kaprizov to celebrate and Kaprizov was so happy, just smiling and then Ras comes up and he just like stoic, just like a fist bump, just like kind of like an <laughs> F-U kind of look. Like, oh, great, this guy. Yeah, I don't know if that was intentional, but it was hilarious regardless. Yeah. Victor I mean, Rask is that meme where um, it's it's the group project, and everyone else mm-hmm. is all the work, but you still get the credit. That's <laughs> the name on it. Yeah, it's just so hard to like. Guys, it's just so hard to watch because, I mean, you know, obviously he, he's like Brett said. Some of the stats that he's been fairly decent at times defensively, but like he just 
and me and Justin talked about this before, he just like falls half the time anywhere, like literally trips on the blue line, like coming nowhere, coming into the offensive zone, and he can't catch a pass ever. It's it's just like I you know, everyone says it every game, including us. It's just hard to it's hard to imagine, you know, it's I mean it's easy to imagine how many more points uh Zuccarello and Kaprizov would have if they simply were not tethered to him this entire line. And not that that's important, but I would, you know, wager to guess they'd probably have a good 10 or something more goals generated if even he just could tap in a couple ones into an empty net. Like, it's so bad. I I don't get the stubbornness either. Like, I know Preci, Sturm, and Benino were playing well for for about a week there, but why not give Sturm a chance up there? He's always busting his mm-hmm. ass and doing the right things and, and seems to be, you know, he seems like he could be a good fit in that line if you just give him the chance. Yeah. But why or, not try? Or Nick Bukestead, who's already proven he can do yeah. that. But nope, we're going to yeah. really scratch him for God knows what reason. But And I just, yeah, I know, I don't. And the other thing that was, we've talked about this before too, but, you know, Universe was saying, well, who's going to come out if Bukestad comes back? And he was going, well, it'll probably be Parisi or Sturm. It's like, I don't like Justin mentioned with Sturm, like I don't get to, it just doesn't, I don't know if it sends the right message. You're all about, well, if you, if you work hard and you play well, you'll get the opportunity. It's like, well, how does that look when you work hard and play well, but this guy who can't stand up literally or catch a pass is getting put in every best position. It's like, it's mind boggling. Yeah. Well, speaking of, of subbing, I'm on fire at these transitions tonight. Speaking of uh, players who could be subbed in for um, Sturm or Parisi, should Matt Boldy be playing? Um, I have this discussion with uh, uh, Joe Bully and Tony Abbott of 10K Rings today on Twitter. Um, again, I was trying to get inside the head of Dean Evison, as I mentioned earlier. It's a very difficult thing to do. Um, but my thought was, it, unless there are like two injuries, or Marcus Johansson or Zach Parisi just has an egregious game or stretch of two games, I just don't see... At least in the regular season, a world where mm-hmm. Matt Boldy comes in and plays, I think he should. I, why not give a Johansson a day off? A mm-hmm. just give someone a day off. You know, let two guys. You know, you get a day off today. You get a day off tomorrow. You know, against the Ducks, right? You're playing the Ducks. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Let Boldy play against the Ducks. Come on. Right. I think the short answer is yes. He should be. But I, I think there's like, like, I I think he should be, but. On the other side, like with the cap space, how it is, and and with the health, how it is, and not to say he can't do what some of these guys are doing or better, but right now, I, I just don't see how how it's going to happen unless it's the playoffs when there's you know not really any you don't have to worry about the cap space and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I just I can't see a way right now, even though I think he should be there. Yeah, it's. I think uh, another weird thing is, you know, they the whole thing when they were going to sign him was, well, are they going to sign him now or sign him to an ATO? Because, you know, that would determine whether they burn off the year of the contract, which is what they eventually decided to do. And, you know, I just, it's, I mean, I get, you know, there's, it's just not going to happen, as you guys said, but it seemed a little weird that they would uh, do that and burn the year of the contract without at least giving him a look. But I also don't think it's, in my opinion, the end of the world that 
some people are making out to be because you know some people are like well it's egregious they're not doing that it's like well yeah he could help like i guess we never know until he comes in but he's also like a 19 year old rookie who's fresh out of college so mm-hmm. you know but i mean like like brett said if you just put him in a game or two against a bad team you know that that would be ideal but uh yeah no I, like you guys said it i don't know i'm just iffy on it. i think in my opinion he's just a young prospect who at, while he could help, I think it's uh, I think it's just fine that he's getting the pro experience down in Iowa too. But yeah, that is true. He's getting first line minutes and power play minutes all first line mm-hmm. for power play and getting those developmental minutes that he may not get here. But uh, yeah, I mean that's that's a good part to what where he's at right now. Yeah. All right. So moving on, uh, sticking with the young guy theme here. Um, it was rumored, well, not rumored, it was uh, stated, which I call fact from Michael Russo this week, <laughs> that it sounds like Bill Guerin has made an offer to Kirill Kaprizov. Um, it sounds like it's a max term, so eight years. And Russo didn't specifically say, but he said he thinks it's over $8 million, uh, which means it's over $8 million. Um, <laughs> So it just it begs the question to me, I think if, I don't know, I haven't checked cap friendly exactly, but I think the Wild... We'll be entering this offseason with roughly $22 million in cap space. I don't know if that includes Boldy's mm-hmm. uh, rookie, I believe, which is nine twenty-five. dollars um, And then they need to re-sign Kaprizov, Eriksson Fiala, and then they have four pending UFAs they could bring back in Cole, Benino, Bukestad, Johansson. So let's start with the RFAs in Kaprizov, Ek, Fiala, uh, we'll start with Kaprizov. So we, we, we've heard it's eight years. We've heard it's over $8 million. What do you guys think that contract looks like? Do you think he takes that, or do you think he maybe goes a different route? Well, I don't know. For me personally, I feel like I've seen at times some people seem, you know, as Russo said, that uh, his agent, uh, I think it's Paul Theofanis, who is kind of a, Russo said it's noted, and I've seen before, is kind of a, a little bit of a hard-ass negotiations that he's kind of a hard guy to – to negotiate contracts like this. So I think there's maybe a chance that uh, the agent or him maybe try to push for that like five or six year deal so that, you know, he gets another huge payday or, you know, maybe even to the nine, 10 plus when he's 28. But, you know, as, as you said, with eight year deal, he'd be like 32 when he's done. That's personally what I want. Cause I mean, and I think you guys would agree that, we, you know, we just want him locked up and locked into contract here for as long as we possibly can. And as for the money, like, like Rhett said, 8 million, like, I don't know. I feel like if you're going to get him to sign that $8 million contract that you would have to, uh, you know, I guess maybe not by a lot, but I feel like you'd have to, the, the, the salary would have to be a little bit higher than, you know, maybe you're comfortable with or that you were going to give to get them to sign an eight year deal. Yeah. yeah. I'm, go ahead, Justin. No, you go ahead. No, you're good. Go ahead. Yeah. I was sad. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they're going to make him the highest played player on the wild. No doubt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as term, I, I too want eight years. Uh, God, I can't really add on but much more to what you said, Zeke. But uh, I mean, it would be good to see him get locked up for eight years, like eight and a half million, somewhere somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, originally yeah. I was I was all in on eight years, give him whatever the hell he wants, throw all the money up, want ten million, <laughs> give it to him. Um, but 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 jokes aside, I, I've kind of like as I've as I've thought about this kind of since I learned about it and hearing, you know, there might be a five to six and it almost might be a best case scenario. Cause think of it this way. 
the defense will be a little bit older by then and maybe it'll be a little shaky, but in that kind of, you know, three, four years from now when Kaprizov is finally you know, hitting that 27, 28 years old, that's when all the wild prospects that they have in the system right now are going to be in, in their prime. And if the team is good at, at that time as they should be, all of a sudden that team looks really attractive to come back to. Like, hey, you've been a part of this team. Mm-hmm. Your deal's going to be expiring, but hey, we'd like to bring you back a second time. Whereas if you signed that eight-year deal and he gets, I think it would be, what, 32 when that ends? Mm-hmm. Now that might kind of be the tail end of of the of the window where, all right, these prospects didn't work. The defense, of course, aged out. All these kinds of things. Ah, maybe, maybe there's a more attractive market somewhere else. So that's mm-hmm. kind of where I'm at with that now. I almost think maybe a shorter term of like five or six might be better. I mean, that's assuming things go well, because if they don't, well, we're going to enjoy Kaprizov for five or six years, and then he's gone. So I think that's yeah, kind true. of pros and cons to each, but mm-hmm. I think right now I lean a little bit more towards the five to six-year deal. And yeah, I could... Oh, go ahead, sir. I would say that certainly makes sense, but, you know, kind of, uh, what do you do with negotiations? You start high and then try to go for the highest thing, and you guys kind of, you know, maybe meet in the middle eventually at some point. So maybe Garen's starting off high max deal and, and maybe they work through like a five, six year deal. Of course we want eight, but I mean, you make a lot of good points there, Brett. And, and you know, I can certainly see that happening too. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I also understand what you're saying. Like, I guess just for me is that, uh, you know, you said all oh, in, in eight years, then if the look, things didn't go well, then, uh, you know, then it'll go. But I also take that as well. If, you know, in general, like you said, if the Wild have not, uh, you know, done really good and gone on deep runs or won a Stanley Cup within like the next eight years, then, uh, you know, then like I said, we got an even bigger problem on our hands. Yeah, so right. I guess, I guess just, it's just my personal opinion that I, you know, part of it's my irrational fan of just, you know, like just how much if we love the guy, we just want the, him here as long as possible. But uh, so maybe I'm not thinking about it completely logically from that standpoint, but uh, I, I'm just uh, still as the mindset of just, give him whatever money and term he wants and give him all the Kramarchuk sausages and sardines that he wants as well. Just give him whatever he wants. That's, that's me still. So. so let's assume a $22 million cap. Let's just for the sake of this argument, keep things simple. Let's mm-hmm. go with a hair over eight. We'll say 8.3 million. So now we're down to, would that be 13.7. Uh, 13.7. Yeah, 13.7. All right, so we have 13.7 left. And here's where things are interesting, and that's with Eck and Fiala. Let's start with Fiala because he's the next kind of premier offensive player. And and because I think there's just the most debate around what his contract could be. Mm-hmm. I've seen people think any people thinking five would be fair. I've seen people think that, you know, just shy of Kaprizov, so like an eight could be fair. I think I mm-hmm. I've thought a lot about where I stand and about player comparables and I think this is my guess. I think he'll come in somewhere between about 6.2 and 6.7 on an average annual mm-hmm. value. I think be, just because he doesn't give you much on the defensive side of the puck, although he has started to kill penalties this year and has been okay at that. Um but he, he's an all offensive guy. He's going to drive you nuts sometimes with turnovers and I think when you're when you do things like that, that's going to prevent you from McDavid money, from Marner money. That's up toward that eight, you know, that Kaprizov money up towards that $8 million mark. And that's going to sink him. I th- and I, 
I think they're going to really try to sell him. Hey, to get all these guys back, we got to be under seven. So I think somewhere between like six three, six eight is where I would slot him in. What do you guys think? I wrote down six five, and I don't know how mm-hmm. long this length will look. Maybe like a that's like another a tricky five part. year deal or something like that. Four but or five is kind of what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. I I have a six point five written down as my kind of where I think he'll be. Yeah, I think like you guys, I think that's that's probably about right because you know that you're gonna have to pay him something because I mean in really reality he is a guy who's scoring at a thirty plus goal pace over eighty two games, which you know obviously the Wild have not had. Uh, too much of so i definitely am not one of those people who are in the athletic comment section saying they need to trade him as soon as possible because he's been so bad with only turning the puck over which you know he does but that you're going to do that too a little more when you carry the puck as much as he does but exactly you know i i don't know like you said the only the salary doesn't contribute us is just the term because i feel like you know if he's going to go to like in the sixes as you guys mentioned i you know like you said maybe four or five years but you know i think he's going to Maybe even like three, I think, is possible too, because maybe that's a situation where him and his agent go, okay, you know, maybe if I go three years, I improve here, I can strike big again when I'm 26, 27, 28, you know, kind of as a free agent there. So I think, uh, I think that's about right. But, you know, he's, as Brett said, he's a little bit more complicated because of uh, the fact, that, as you mentioned, that he's a little bit more of a one dimensional player, which, you know, is, is not good. But uh, as I mentioned, uh, it's, it's also good that we finally have guys who are, uh, you know, just great at offense instead of, you know, just great at other things. So, yeah. And I just thought of it with those two. Just think of what they could do with even better line mates. Like mm-hmm. maybe they take shorter term and end up with better line mates and a better contract next go around. Yeah, yep. I, I think a big part of, of those negotiations for both Kaprizov and Fiala will be Bill Guerin's plan. Hey, here's what I'm going to – here, here's my plan. I can't guarantee it, but here's what I'm gonna go and try to do. You know, I'm gonna try to go. I don't know if he'll. You know, I'm. I don't know if he'll say I'm gonna go try to go get this guy. Necessarily, mm-hmm. hey, I'm gonna go try to get you a center, Kevin. I want to stick Matt Boldy on your on your left wing, a guy that can play down low in the corner that can get you the puck, and we'll find someone who fits in the middle of you. You know, I, I yeah. think that'll be a big part of it, and judging how that Hartman. Uh, negotiation with uh, you know Hartman citing I believe what Karen's doing uh, I'm mm-hmm. pretty confident uh, he'll have a pretty persuasive argument in that regard so that brings us to our last restricted free agent and that's Jewel Erickson and this is one I think that really no one knows um, mm-hmm. Zeke I think you and I are kind of on the same page and I think a, a reasonable expectation could be Anthony Sorelli and I think coming into that season that was probably really fair but we've seen you know a much more offensive Jewel Erickson this year, he's got 16 goals now on the year. I'm not exactly sure where that would put him on a on a 32 or excuse me 32 82 game pace, but it's got to be a great number. But I think what this comes down to for me, I still think it comes in just a shade under five million because of the role the Wild want him in. I think mm-hmm. he's been elevated this year out of necessity, uh, much like Kyle Brodziak was one year. I think when he scored like 25 <laughs> goals, he's not a 25 goal scorer. He was put in a, in a position that year. So I think that might be the way they go, but this one's really tough for me. I I think it'll be around four eight, but it could come in over five maybe. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, like you said, he's you know they're going to probably want to pay him for more of his role that they you know actually match him, which is a really good point. And but you know like I said, at the same time, he's obviously an incredibly valuable player, and like uh, 
Dean Evison said in the post game last night that uh, Bill Guerin had, you know, used called him a beast, describe him with his physicality, just his play, which is, you know, a really great way to describe him. And, you know, I think you know, I agree with Brett on the money. I just, uh, I guess, just kind of thinking on term, like, I don't know, I feel like maybe this is a guy that they try to go maybe, I mean, not too long, but I feel like they maybe try to lock him in on a little bit longer of a contract if it's, you know, kind of in like four and a half range. I don't know. I mean, is, is, I don't know. What do you guys think about like term? I think uh, they'll try to get him for more. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think they'll push for five or six years. Yeah, I, I kind of have six years right around $5 million mm-hmm. written down. So I'm kind of right on the same page with what you guys think in terms of years and and uh, money. Yeah. And here's where things get interesting. So we're calling our bold predictions. What what do we settle? What are we going to settle on for uh, for term for Kaprizov if we had to choose? What do we think it would be? Six, maybe. Think is even if I want to, I say six. Right, six, we'll go, eight, okay. and eight by three. Yeah, we'll go six years, eight eight point three million for Kaprizov. Uh, we'll go four by six five for Fiala. That good. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then Eck will go six by should be round to five. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right. So that leaves based on a twenty-two million dollar cap. That leaves now two point two million, um, not mm-hmm. including Boldy. And that's barring any other player movement. That's not including, mm-hmm. I believe, whatever happens with Susie or Dumba. So they'll have a mm-hmm. little more cap to 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 work with, but probably enough for one more player. Which brings us to our UFAs of Nick Benino, Nick Bugstead, Marcus Johansson, Ian Cole. It sounds like if it were the Wild. Ian Cole's their number one choice to bring back. And I think that makes sense seemingly that mm-hmm. the guy you're going to lose will either be Dumba or Susie. And he's a guy that should be able to, to fill those roles in some capacity. Um, I think an, an Ian Cole, Kalen Addison pair could be really interesting as a third pair next year. If, if Susie ends up being the guy, but of those four is, is Cole, the guy that you'd want to bring back that you'd hope they bring back or that you think they bring back. Or do you think, they go another way. Do you think they try to bring more than Cole back, somebody else? Where do you guys stand on that? Personally, I I, I look at a standpoint of who's made the biggest impact of those guys, and it's been Cole by far in my eyes. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other guys have had flashes of, of good stretches, but overall I feel like, you know, of course, Benino's been good at the circle and had that good week, but I feel like he's at times really slow, like, and maybe doesn't fit into what we're trying to do in the future. But then again, I mean, he's a, a leader and, and proven winner. But yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you see, I just think it's going to be Cole, and, and the other three is kind of a toss-up. Yeah, I I agree with uh, what both you guys said. I think I mean we've obviously seen Russo and Elliot Friedman and all these guys uh, report that they've you know been kind of talking on and off about an extension for him, which will obviously be interesting to see what he what he comes in at. But I as Justin said, I think Nick Benino, as Russo said this before, is another guy that Garen really likes because like Justin said, he's you know apparently he's a really good leader in the locker room and all that, and and, and is a winner. So I like Justin just said you know that's a guy Garen I think would be want to be interested to and. You know, I don't know. From what I've watched, I I guess if you could, I would like to get both Cole and Benito back because I think they, you know, like you guys mentioned, that they provide a great value in their certain roles. But uh, I also agree that uh, you know, if you if you made me choose, I would side with you guys on that one too, for sure. Yeah, Zeke, you're exactly where I am. I think if 
if you had asked me before the Bukestad injury, I think I would have taken Bukestad, but given mm-hmm. that they don't really seem interested in playing him, I'd have a hard time believing mm-hmm. that they'd bring him back. Um, the reason I like Bukestad is I think he gives a really good utility. Um, he can play in yeah. the fourth line. He could play up in the lineup if you need him to. He can play power play. He can play wing. He can play center. I think he does everything that Bukestad does with a little more offensive upside than defensive upside, but if if they believe that I think they would they'd be playing him right now and they're not so I've I've since shifted to Benino as the guy mm-hmm. in addition to Cole if they were if they can make the money work and I think I think that's what ultimately it comes down to I think they'd love to bring them both back but it might come down to you know, we just can't pay you I mean oh they got guys like like Duheim and Giroux and Duar guys that can probably fill the role that he brings sans the leadership pretty mm-hmm. adequately I would think or they can maybe find someone that can do something really similar out of free agency at a little bit cheaper cost. So, But I think, without a doubt, Johansson's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that one's any question. Um, and I would, and we're assuming, I think, Bukestad is too. But um, we ended up getting Bukestad for free this year because it doesn't look like he'll meet either of the conditions on that seventh rounder. So another mm-hmm. nice piece of work uh, by Billy G Definitely. there. For sure. I, I think another thing that could play into it too is I mean we're still hurting at center I mean big time Yep. I mean Sturm's picked up his play and uh, I, I mean, I, I, yeah free Sturm <laughs> but it'll kind of weigh on what he can do as far as addressing that too I think All right, we have a couple mailbag questions here that we'll get into uh, before we get into uh, a, a new game. Um, this one comes from Johnson from Wisconsin, um, kind of on Victor Rask and on Seattle expansion. It's a good question here. Um, he asked, would you give Seattle a second-round pick um, for this year's entry draft to take Victor Rask in expansion? You know, that's... Anything that involves getting Victor getting rid of Victor Ask is very tempting, but uh, I don't know. I I guess it is only a second round pick, but I still not going to give up even. It, I don't know for me personally, a decent asset even still to get rid of him when he still has only one year left on his contract. So for me, no, but I can definitely see the appeal. I think the same thing. I think why risk that high of a pick when you have? I mean. We all want Rask on, but one year, mm-hmm. why give up a second-round pick for just one year of service left? I'm conflicted because I don't know that a second would be enough. Yeah. Who knows? Personally, <laughs> um, and I think the important thing to, to remember when you're thinking about Victor Rask is not necessarily think about the player, but the $4 million contract, getting yeah, rid of that is an asset. Because as, as we talked, even with those three RFAs, barring any other moves, you're already pushing yourself pretty tight to the cap because it's flat. So that $4 million that you lose in getting rid of him could be an asset. I think if it's just a second, so if you if Seattle takes Rask and you go up a second and you keep Dumba, you keep Susie, and you shed $4 million in the process, lose a second, you have another, what do you have, two-thirds, I think, as well. Yeah, so two, thirds, two thirds, two firsts. Two firsts. You could maybe move into the second round by moving a third and maybe a fourth or a pick next year. I think I would do it personally, but 
it's a tough one. Mm-hmm. I can certainly see that side of it now that you bring that up. But so that's where I'm at. Uh, All right, next question is from a good friend of the show, Derek Felska. Oh, wow, I have his name always tongue twists me. Derek Felska <laughs> um, asks, what are the odds of the Wild making it past the first round? And if they play St. Louis in round two, do they have a chance? Hmm. I think it's going to be really hard, especially if we have to face off against Colorado, who's pretty much owned us all season long for the most part. I think if we face Vegas, we have the better shot to make it past the first round. And personally, if we make it to the second round against the Blues, I mean, they've had our number all season long, but you never know what's going to happen once the playoffs come around. But, I mean, yeah, they they just won the Stanley Cup a couple of years ago, so either way it's going to be hard. But I, I don't know if we make a run this year, but, you know, anything can happen. But I, I don't mm-hmm. know. For me, it's yeah. real simple. The team will be as good as Talbot. That's the simple fact. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's a, you know, a, I mean, this could be the topic another day, but I think that's why they're going to have to, you know, give him some rest and not start him uh, every back-to-back the last seven, eight games of the season. But I don't know. I think for me, I, I guess I'll go like percentages-wise. I, and if it's against Colorado, I give it a more 75, 25, 70, 30 them. Whereas if, it, if it's Vegas, I think it's more of a toss-up, like Justin said, that the Wild could win. But uh, you know, he, you also made another good point that I always go into the playoffs whenever they make it as a, you know, it's hockey, it's the playoffs, uh, anything can happen. And like Brett said, if your goalie's playing well, you know, at that time, then, you know, that really can cover up a lot of warts in your game. But uh, it's it's definitely uh, scary just because the couple of games that earlier, a couple months ago, that seemed to just completely shake the wild out of all their good play for a while there. It's very scary to think about having to, win four games against that team that's for sure yeah and the reason i say it's talbot because if he can steal two and you can win two there's your four um, yep. and I, I think that's how you, that's how you win four against especially the abs I, i'm with you zeke if it's if it's vegas yeah i, I love it, it's a coin flip i think it could go either way um, mm-hmm. but it's just not shaping up that way the wild can give themselves a chance at that if they beat vegas twice um in the in these upcoming games here but i'm not the way they're playing right now i'm not i'm not sure that they'll do that yeah. but We'll see. All right, and the last question here, I, I kind of alluded this in my Rask conversation earlier because I knew this was coming. Um, we, we talked about Rask's being moved off the Caprice offline. Uh, Skylar Swenson, who joined us uh, two weeks ago, I believe, asked if he thinks that'll stick. Paraphrase, but that's basically the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, Russo obviously said the same thing in his article on the game for the gamer last night. And, you know, like, like we all saw Hartman was moved up to the, to, to that line. And, you know, while that's not the, you know, obviously our favorite thing either, it's, you know, at this point for me, and I'm sure you guys too, anything is better than Victor Rask. But I think that the way that, uh, you know, Everson seemed to just not move on Rask a lot, the fact that even halfway through the game, he was willing to switch him off that line, at least for me, I think shows that uh, they're not going to go back to that right away. Yeah, I th- and I think the fact that with Kevin Fiala, they scored two goals last night. Mm-hmm. I think at least tomorrow, I think we'll see Hartman with Kaprizov and, and Zook and Ras with Fiala Johansson. Tomorrow for sure. If it doesn't work, he might go back because he loves his favorite toys. But um, I, I think tomorrow for sure, I think it'll it'll be how it ended last game. Yeah, I don't have much more to add. I think you guys touched on everything that I would have said. All right. 
Well, let's get to the fun part of the show. Enough shitting on Victor Rask, as fun as that is. <laughs> I mean, that is a fun part of the show, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Um, we should make it just a weekly segment. Uh, this week's <laughs> shitting on Victor Rask. <laughs> this week's shitting on <laughs> We'll consider it. Who knows? Uh, it can be a uh, bit. All right. Be. So we have a new game today. Um, this is what all three of us are going to play. I'm going to have to give the shout-out to at uh, Flo and Byram on Twitter. Avs fan. Great company. Not all Avs fans are bad, believe it or not. Um, but th- this tweet came across my timeline. I saw it, and I'm like, this is hilarious. We have to do it. So the game is called Coach, Analyst, Real Estate Agent, um, and it's basically fuck, Mary kill, if uh, you're familiar mm-hmm. with that. But it's for NHL players, and whether you think following their career, instead of fuck, Mary kill, the, the group of three players, um, do you think following their playing career, they'd be a coach, an analyst, or a real estate agent. And I think for the purpose of real estate agent, you can just kind of assume any business role. So accountant mm-hmm. or business owner, what have you. It doesn't have to be real estate agent, but awesome idea. So shout out Flo and Byram. Uh, we're going to do this. So uh, we discussed in our group chat um, some some pairs, and we'll probably take suggestions. I know we already have, um, have had one. Um, but we're going to start here with our first group of three, um, the old uh, Captain Trio of the uh, Parisi Suter era of uh, Miko Koivu, Zach Parisi, Ryan Suter, coach, analyst, real estate agent. Justin, hmm. we'll start with you. Let's just let's go. Uh, let's go. Who who's your coach of the three? I went with Koivu. I think I thought that because of how he laid into Fiala and kind of got him helped get him on track. I, I think he would make a good coach. Yeah. I, um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead, Zeke. Oh no, I was. I I would do this exact same. Uh, I would have Koivu as my coach as well. You know, for pretty much the same reasons Justin said. Uh, I and I think everything I've ever read from Russo about him seems like a a guy. You know, he's like Justin said. He's kind of stoic at times. Doesn't always have the emotion. But uh, you know, that example you brought up, it seems to have the, the leadership ability in that way. So yeah, no, that's that. I definitely agree with that one. Yeah, we'll we'll go three for three on Koivu for coach. All right. I, I very much think Miko Koivu as a coach would just be John Tortorella 2.0. <laughs> and I mean that as a compliment and like, no mm-hmm. bullshit. You're going to do your job or you're going to sit on the bench and I'm going to yell at you. Yep. Simple as that. Oh, yeah. All right. Next, we have the analyst. Hmm. This one's tricky for me. Oof, yeah. I, I can go with, I'm, I'll tell you who I got in my reasoning. I think I have okay. mine, so go ahead. I went with Parisi as analyst for the simple fact of I wanted Suter as a real estate agent because for some reason, for some reason, those quick trip commercials and his polo makes me think of him in that role. I can just see him walking through like he, he's doing open house, right? And a couple walks in, he goes, yep, this is the dining room where you can go ahead and eat your, your quick trip ready to eat meal. <laughs> And adding to that too, I think you know Parisi's is a you know he's got a long career. He's played on you know some really good teams. He thinks the game pretty well. I think he'd make a good analyst. And just I just can't imagine uh, like Ryan Suter to me just seems like the most boring person in the world. And I just yep. can't see him being interesting on a broadcast. I I simply okay. cannot. And for that reason, like Parisi's kind of defaults into the into the analyst position. Though I think he could make an okay coach too. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe not a head coach, but like an assist, like a Darby Hendrickson type. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I agree with you guys. I, I'd go with both those same choices. So yeah, but like you said, like those commercials, that thing's the best. And I just like how every time it comes on, everyone on Wild Twitter is like losing their shit, like at the same time. <laughs> I just noticed last night too. Like my favorite part of that, like the really common one. Is right before he sets down, he sets down this like nicely triangular folded like linen napkin mm-hmm. to have yep. this microwave <laughs> meal. And I'm like, oh man! <laughs> All right. Well, let's go next to uh to the new core here. Um, so we have the Koivu Prezi Suda era, that has moved on. So let's go now to the new era of Kirill Kaprizov, Kevin Fiala, and Nico Sturm. This one's a lot harder, I think. Yeah. Because they're still pretty new, so we don't know everything yet. So what do we want to – do we want to go – we want to go coach first again? Yeah, we'll go same order. Coach first. Okay. So, I don't know. This, like you said, these guys are all kind of new. But, uh, you know, I get – I'm going to go with Nico Sturm as my coach. Uh, Like I said, I'm not sure uh, yet – I don't know. I just feel like, you know, his hardworking attitude seems to be that, you know, that kind of guy, the hard work, uh, you know, not as much, you know, doesn't seem to have as much of a, that kind of same personality as Koivu, but he has a, he's a hard worker. He's kind of a more bottom of the lineup guy, but he seems to be uh, really smart. And I don't know. I just, I guess maybe for me, more of this point of this is uh, get, this is the vibe I get from the other two guys, but uh, yeah. I would go with Sturm as my coach. I'm with you. I, I seem he's, he seems very level headed mm-hmm. You know, he's played at every, you know, he came from Europe he played college hockey. He played in the AHL. He played the NHL. So I think he bring a lot of different dynamics in terms of okay, I've been here, I've been there. You know, I was a fourth line guy. Hopefully, you know, eventually I moved up. I've played this. I've played that. He just he'll just be very knowledgeable, very level headed. Mm-hmm. I think he'd make a good coach. I'm with you there, Sturm, Sturm for coach. Justin, are we going three for three there? We can go three for three. I did All think right. of something funny though. Could you imagine Kaprizov as a coach? I mean. He'd be good. He'd be having the kids mohawking around the whole like oh, yeah. the whole practice. Like, today just, we're gonna work on our skating. You mean like our stride? What's a stride? Just the mohawk. <laughs> Edges only. Mm. <laughs> the Kirill Caprice skating school. Oof. Good. Mm. All right. So next we'll go analyst. Hmm. Yeah, this is kinda hard. Uh, I have my pick, so I can go first if you guys are still debating. Yeah, we'll let you go. Mm-hmm. It's got to be Kaprizov because Russians are just, they're naturally hilarious, mm-hmm. I feel like. And also, mm-hmm. you're telling me if someone walked into a house and saw Kevin Fiala and his attractive ass, they're going to be like, okay, <laughs> I'm sold. That's my agent right there. <laughs> like, he did, like put, up, put on a suit and like he's a good looking dude. He's going to sweet talk you a little bit. He's going to flirt with the older ladies. Oh, you know. This is where you could do this. I could just see him showing off a house and just selling it basically like because of who he is as a person. And like Kaprizov just like broken English just chipping in and like he could be like this is where you can have your Mick Goldens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, yeah, I'll, no, I... I'll go Kaprizov as my analyst and, and Fiala as my real estate agent. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the caprice of the analyst. I just think he'd be, a, you know, like everyone knows, he's a bubbly, kind of funny guy. Looks like he's always having fun and always smiling, always happy. So I think, uh, like you said, that'd be a fun guy to, to watch on a broadcast with that kind of personality. And I, I agree with, obviously, with uh, Fiala as the real estate agent, too. Absolutely. You got, Capri- yeah, like you guys already touched on it, but just how smiley and fun Kaprizov is. Mm-hmm. He, 
bring that to the to the booth and Viala's obviously makes sense being the real estate agent and what Brett touched on. So yeah, that 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 all makes perfect sense. (laughs) And we're gonna end with our last trio uh, for today's show. I think this one will be pretty easy. I think it'd be Mm -hmm. unanimous no matter which wild fan you ask. But I'm calling it the leadership group of Marcus Foligno, Jared Spurgeon, Matt Dumba. To me, this is real easy. These guys plug right in perfectly to each. But uh, let, let's start with Coach. Who's the coach? Felino. It's got to be Felino. Yep. Okay. Guy that's going to fire you up. I think I think he literally would just be Dean Evason as a coach. Guy that played just the oh, gritty yeah. minutes. <laughs> I'll, except he wouldn't have an, a, an affinity for a Victor Rast type of player. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. Analyst next. Got to be Spurgeon, right? Just kidding. It's yeah. Dumba. Yeah. It's I, Dumba. It's, no, I, Dumba's I personality confused. has to yeah. be in the analyst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He'd be okay. like a Charles Barkley. Yeah. And I mean, he's just, I don't know, like, he's another guy. Like, you see all the pregame videos that uh, are posted online. He's always the guy. Uh, he's he's the ultimate hype man. Just constantly, like, you know, screaming right up and down, uh, you know, encouraging teammates and all that. And uh, like you guys said, that'd be a... That, those are just the kind of personalities that you just, you know, you wish were on the, the TV financial more that are just, you know, they're just out there and, you know, actually seem to, he's just a guy who is, you know, is out there and just shows his personality easily. So. And, and another thing is if we have Kaprizov as an analyst, Kaprizov and Dumba are, are like Oof. have an affinity for each other. Oh, so man, that'd be, so that'd cool. be oh, a fun booth. Be awesome. Dumba on color, Kaprizov down in between the glass. Hey, dollar, dollar, Bill Kirill, what's going on down there? <laughs> just here for golden lights oh god that'd be great <laughs> my golden lights seven dollars <laughs> seven dollars <laughs> and then of yep. course real estate agent is Spurgeon because it, it just makes sense yep sure does yes. like because if he wasn't a hockey player that's what he would do like if you just looked like yeah that guy probably sells real estate mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right well th- this was a lot of fun it brings some good oh, life yeah. so if like you it. have um if you have a an idea, a group of three, it can be any players, wild or not. Um, we'll break it down. Try to go with some hard ones because now that we did these, these were all pretty easy. There, there seem to be some mm-hmm. pretty natural fits. Give us three guys that should be a coach so we have to figure out which one has to be an analyst or something, you know, or three real estate agents. We have to figure out which one would be yeah. the best coach. So send us some <laughs> of your ideas. Um, hopefully you enjoyed this segment again. Uh, shout out to Flo and Byram on Twitter for the idea because um, it's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. All right. Definitely. A little Thank bit you. long on the show today, but that's no big deal. Uh, just two little things to wrap up here. And we'll start with uh, players of the week. Uh, Zeke, let's go to you first with your amateur of the week. Okay. So for my amateur of the week, uh, I don't believe he – well, not he didn't have any points, but I'm just going to go with – since you guys took the, the other two who did the most <laughs> note, I'm going to go with the former Bulldog, Nick Sweeney, who, as Justin mentioned earlier, made his AHL debut tonight. Uh, on his uh, current ATO and his uh, ELC, which one year, which starts next year. Uh, just uh, congrats to him on uh, playing his first uh, pro game that just wrapped up here tonight. Uh, that's a, I think that's a fair pick. Definitely. Um, pulling mm-hmm. up, I'm trying to pull up the box score here quick to see if he. Yeah, I don't, he did, did. they lost four to one. Yeah, of course and... they did. <laughs> well, that's, but they played Chicago, who is basically, I believe, their combination oh. of. Oh, they are. I believe it's a couple, couple teams. Yeah, I think it's Carolina and Chicago's. Oh, okay. I or 
It's a combination of somebody, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy scored for Iowa I've never even heard of. Ottinger. Ottenbritt? I think it's, it's his name. Tanner, I think, maybe. I don't know. I'm sorry, I don't even know who that is. Sorry, dude. Duham <laughs> got an assist, though, so. Duham has points in, like, four of the last five games or three of the last four or something like that. I think it's three of the last four or four of the last five. Mm-hmm. I have the like Twins that. on in the background, and Byron Buxton has like two Sports Center top ten catches. He's got mm-hmm. one like full thing. sprint diving catch, and oh, now we so just cool. robbed a home run in left center field. Wow! the The dude he might win the MVP this year, but this is a hockey podcast. But Byron mm-hmm. Buxton's awesome. Even the Twins suck. Byron Buxton's awesome. Well, I mean, I still think he's just a bust. So you know. He's a bust. All he does is get crash into fields uh, and defenses. So. Right. I don't think he's a bust. I think he <laughs> no, no, no. I, yeah, no. I was just a, <laughs> no. Yeah, I get you. It's just a no. It's he's just another guy like Adumba who just has his haters. This seems exactly. like so. That's all right. Fair. It's a, that's just Minnesota sports fans for you. They find a reason to complain about everybody. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna people are gonna be complaining about Kaprizov next year. Just you wait. <laughs> <laughs> It'll happen. All right. Yeah. I'll go my image of the week next. Justin talked about at the top of the show. It's Adam Beckman. Uh, just two games since our last show. Put up five points in those two games. Three goals, two assists. Had a four-point game. Ten shots on goal. Plus three rating. Stayed out of the box. That's just that's amateur of the week work right there. Yeah. Scored the game-winning goal, too, with that hat trick, by the oh, way. Yeah. Just Adam Beckman, man. Justin, do you? I did Damon Hunt, really the only other choice right now. Yep. <laughs> uh, 2020 third rounder just wrapped up his season, but had a one goal, one assist game with eight shots on goal to finish the season. And uh, I, I heard that, I don't know how true it is, that he'll return to Iowa now, but I, I've, I've just been confused about the whole CHL, AHL rules. Yeah, year, it, so. is, it is quite confusing. But, yeah, that's my amateur of the week. All right, so it's... Uh... Nick Sweeney, Adam Beckman, and Damon Hunt as our amateurs of the week. Zeke, we'll go to you next for your uh, pro of the week. Well, my pro of the week, after a two-point night last night, I'm going to go with your Minnesota Wilds number one center uh, by the name of Victor Rask. Uh, no, I'm not. Just kidding. Uh, that was just, just meant to be a joke. But uh, in reality, I'm going to go – this is a little bit hard. Uh, I'll go with Marcus Foligno as my pro of the week because, like you guys mentioned, he's had – I think four points in the last five games, uh, three goals and assist. Uh, like you said, he's just been a physical force on that line. He's been great everywhere. He's been, you know, scoring at a, at a very high rate. Uh, just a, a very valuable player and just another guy that I'm happy to have locked up on that three-year contract. But it, it was kind of hard because uh, how – I almost want to do Greenway solely for the fact that he took down two guys at once. But we'll, we'll go full, you know, here. Greenway honorable mention. Yeah, honorable mention. Yes. For sure. All right. My pro of the week is Kevin Fiala, a three-point game last night, and because fuck the haters, um, turnovers <laughs> aren't everything, because Fiala can do exactly what he did last night and break open a game in one period, much like Kaprizov can. He's still really good, and the fact that he's done what he's done this year with the shitty line mates he has, imagine mm-hmm. when this dude is alongside Matt Boley next year. He's going to boom. Oof. Yeah. So just yeah. some respect on Fiala, just to silence the haters. He's been so good, and I think some of the tension has been pulled off him because of Kaprizov, but he's been just right next to Kaprizov with how he's done this year. He's just 
taking over games at times. For sure. Mm-hmm. And Justin, your player of the week. Uh, I'm going with Jewel Eriksson-Eck. Played uh, in the four games, four points, three goals, one assist. Had that sweet goal last night that kind of got our goal st- goal scoring started and, and kind of brought us back around playing better. Uh, 27 points on the season, 17 goals, career high in the 48 games, which is pretty awesome coming from him who, you know, he kind of – more defensive center forward, but uh, putting up 17 goals has been awesome mm-hmm. to see. Yeah, I remember I, when he scored that goal yesterday, you know, I just I, I looked at the score ticker and it was like, holy crap, he's got 17 goals this yeah. year, not even 50 games. It's like, wow. Yeah, he's just, he's like right behind Fiala. I think, doesn't Fiala have 18? So mm-hmm. he's like right on his neck. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't have said that at the beginning of the year. Brees off Fiala, Jewel Erickson at goal leaders, just like everyone predicted. <laughs> now imagine if we put those three on a line oh, we could only help mm. that might yeah. be fun that would <laughs> be, be fun, fun. alright well let's wrap things up here uh, we have a kind of a fun announcement here so next week's show uh, won't be a whole lot of wild talk um, it's going to be an award show both NHL uh, and Minnesota Wild Awards so we'll break down if we were PWHA members uh, who we would vote for for Calder, Hart, all that fun stuff but we're also going to let you guys uh, have a voice next week as well with Minnesota Wild Awards. So we have a handful here. I think it's upwards of like 10 awards here um, that you guys will have a chance to vote for. Um, it'll be a Google form that will go out on our Twitter tomorrow afternoon that will be open through basically next Thursday around 6 p.m. probably. Um, and here will be the awards we will be giving out. So there will be the Marion Gabrick Award for the Team MVP, the Nicholas Backstrom Award for the Best Goalie, the Miko Koivu Award for the Best Leader, the Derek Bugard Award for the uh, player that provides the team with the most energy, the Matt Cullen Award for the Best Veteran Player, the Pierre-Marc Bouchard Award for the Best Goal of the Year, the Eric Stahl Award for the Most Improved Player of the Year, the Zach Parisi Award for the Hardest Worker, the Nino Niederreiter Award for the Most Underrated (laughs) Player, the Rookie of the Year, and then also the Brian Ralston Award for the Best Newcomer of the Year. So we'll have you'll be able to vote on all of those. Um, so stay tuned to our Twitter for that. Um, please retweet so we can get that out to as many Wild fans as possible. So we can find out um, who they consent. I think some of them are really easy, but some of them mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I think will be really interesting. So yeah, definitely. Looking it'll be forward a... to that for sure. I think it'll be fun yeah. to see those results. Yeah, it'll be just yeah, it'll be cool to see what uh, everyone thinks. So that'll do it for today's show. We went a little long today, but had some fun shitting on Victor Rask, um, <laughs> deciding which wild players would make good real estate agents, uh, talking about contracts, <laughs> lots of fun stuff, and throwing some respect on Eck and Kaprizov and Fiala, as we should yep. every show. But that'll do it for today. Uh, before we sign off again here, uh, Justin, remind everyone uh, where they can find you. Find me at D East two thousand four. You can find me at Caprisov C with the Caprisov Countdown. You can find me at M N W Prospects with Wild Prospects and Young Players. And Zeke. Well, yeah, as usual, you can find me on Twitter at uh, zbwildnation_hw, underscore H W, and then you can find uh, my written work at hockeywilderness.com. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at b underscore marsh ninety two. Be sure you are also following the podcast account both on Twitter and Instagram at SoundTheFoghorn, all one word. 
Uh, as we said, award show next week. Then we'll have about a week and a half-ish off, and we'll come in with a playoff preview um, a week from Monday next – or two weeks from Monday, I think, next week. So uh, that's what's to look forward to here in the, in, in the coming weeks from us. It should be a fun run to the playoffs here. Uh, Wild have wrap up a three-game set against the Blues tomorrow. I will be there. They're undefeated when I'm in attendance, so nothing to fear. Sweet. They got Vegas twice. They have Anaheim twice. And then uh, they wrap up the year against St. Louis. So that'll do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Sound the Fox.